Hello and welcome, friends, to another edition of Sustainability Now with me, Justin Mogg, right here on your community radio station. We are Forward Radio, WFMP Louisville, broadcasting to you from here in the historic Hayburn Building at 106.5 FM or live streaming wherever you may be this holiday season. Maybe you're traveling around. You can take Forward Radio with you by tuning us in at forwardradio.org. You can catch our live stream anytime and also the archives of our local programs. That's also the place to go if you want to become a part of our community radio station. We are the People's Megaphone. This is radio for the people, by the people, and we would love for you all to be some of the people behind these microphones sharing your stories and your passions with us. So go to forwardradio.org, click participate, let us know what you want to do, and we will help make it happen. And we also rely entirely on your support. It's the season of giving, so maybe put a little something in the stocking. Is it too early to say that <laughs> for Forward Radio at forwardradio.org? You can click donate anytime and help us out. Well, I'm really excited to fill the studio today with friends from just up the elevator here in the Hayburn building. Uh, we've got some newish kind of neighbors uh, who moved in maybe over the summer. Y'all have to remind me exactly the timeline here. But we have in the studio three folks from Vocal Kentucky, voices of community activists and leaders, a statewide at grassroots membership organization that builds power among low-income people to do a whole bunch of great work ending the AIDS epidemic the war on drugs mass incarceration and homelessness and we're going to talk about all these issues today with the executive director of vocal ky shamika paris right welcome back to ford radio shamika yes thanks for having me back I'm you've excited. been busy since you ran for mayor very, very busy. I, stopped. I, I knew you wouldn't just like go back to bed no, <laughs> there's a lot of good likely. work to do exactly right we also have jessica lawrence joining us in the studio a lead grow team Member. Welcome, Jessica. Hi, how are you today? Oh, I am great. It's so good to have you with us. And also in the studio is an organizer with Vocal KY, Jennifer Twyman. Welcome, Jennifer. Good morning. Hey, this is so great. I, I don't know if our listeners are familiar with Vocal because you guys are kind of getting settled in. Is it too is it too late to say that? Tell us about this organization. It's part of a national network, right? And how things have been getting going here in Kentucky. Well, we're the first statewide expansion of Vocal New York. Okay. And Vocal New York has been around since the early 90s. Mm. Um, so we come off of that work, but also understand that things for Kentucky have to be built in the Kentucky context. Exactly. And so um, <laughs> our one of our national directors, Jeremy Saunders, who is actually originally from Louisville, Kentucky, right. um, worked with our folks in New York to bring Vocal here. Um, so we actually started on Juneteenth in Brooklyn to be onboarded um, but oh. we hit the ground running um, uh, late June early July and then I'll let Jennifer talk about what we've been up to since we hit the ground running but we are here um, to add muscle to the local social justice movement we can say and do and hold people accountable in ways that some of our community partners can't because they are service providers or they're tied to certain funding and but there's real needs out there and our membership we're membership led our membership is directly impacted by the issues you gave I was like I can put the brochure away Justin went through <laughs> everything that we're about but we're really about mobilizing people we're about being black and, and marginalized led yes. um, making sure that we lift folks up the the we started out um the vocal new york started out with the AIDS active movement and just grew into those other core issues that you named we organize in unions and those are organizing unions based on those issues and people who are directly impacted are leading what we do next so any ideas or whatever our members want to do we're the moving 
enforced for that. We offer resources. Um, and in New York, we provide services, syringe exchange, and some of the things that our health department is doing. Here, we're more advocacy right now until we build on. But our goal, we have 120 county focus. We are based in Louisville, but we plan to take our work across the state. Oh, that's phenomenal. Wow, that's a big that's a big task. Too. Yeah, wow, huge. when I think about these issues at the city level, it's overwhelming enough. But uh, statewide building power too, that is so important, right? Yeah, Justin, we really we realize to seal in the changes that we want to have the policies, the progressive policies that improve all of our lives, we have to have a statewide fight because the rural and urban communities have been pitted against each other right. when we have so much more in common. But to move the state legislator it can't just be a Jefferson County or a Louisville voice. It has to be a collective, inclusive voice of across the state. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Every time I think about statewide politics, uh, there is, it seems like Frankfurt's got something against yes. uh, like the urban areas, right? Like, and it can't get anything through that would help a Louisville or even a Lexington, right? And so thinking about how we build power with holding hands with those rural areas. And, and this is not, I mean, these are, how can these even be considered partisan issues, right? Like, they're not. <laughs> this is, these are human rights That's issues right. that affect us all and all all of our communities across the urban rural divide. So I'm, I'm really glad y'all are thinking about Thank it. Thank you for your vision, too, yeah. because that's what we said. We organize across lines of difference because it's more about the issues and less about the lines that separate us. If we focus on the issues and improving the lives of all Kentuckians, we all benefit. And money alone won't get us there right. we got to have the right people in place to make the decisions that are needed to offer jennifer has started talking about a menu of services to start oh. offering that for everyone so if you're dealing with homelessness dealing with hiv aids and all the stigma if you're dealing with being criminalized and mass incarceration if you're dealing with not having the harm reduction services you deserve because if you drink you have a whole bunch of places to go and drink safely right so when we talk about harm reduction we're talking about improving things for everyone across the board. So mm -hmm. you're exactly right. And from the hood to the holler, which I told um, <laughs> Charles Booker that I love that because it really is about that approach. And so all of my work has been connected to dismantling poverty at every level. And this is part of that. Yeah. Well, Jennifer, tell us a little bit about this organizing effort and your own background. Maybe, maybe that's a, a good place to start with sort of your story yeah. of how you came to this work. Sure. I, I come to this work with 20 years of chaotic opiate use in my past. Mm. Um, I almost 13 years ago started using harm reduction in my life and was on Suboxone, which is a medication for opioid use disorder. I was on that for three and a half years. And um, when I got through that process, I went back to school and finished a wow. criminal justice degree at U of L that nice. I had started 25 years earlier. Oh my goodness! Uh, yeah, wow, what a story! <laughs> in, in my last semester there, I started an internship and started working part time on the mobile syringe exchange unit. Um, which then was contracted through the city with Volunteers of America. Okay. 
And so I did that for a year and then moved to the health department where I have been for the past five years. Right, right. Uh, doing uh, harm reduction services, outreach in the encampments, and uh, building relationships with some of Louisville's most underserved and yeah. marginalized communities. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what brings me to this work. Through my own life experiences and through work, I have seen that people affected by our issues don't have a voice. Right. They don't. Poor and low-income people, especially black and brown skin community members, do not have the advantages that me as a middle-class white girl had. Mm-hmm. And me as a middle-class white girl had lots of barriers and lots of stigma and judgment thrown my way for a very long time. And I wasn't the most marginalized. Yes. And so that is one thing that Vocal really works on is building relationships with people and getting changing the conversation around all of that. Wow. That I think that that is the way forward. We have to give people the tools to be able to stay safe and stay alive because when when people die, they do, they can't do anything different yep, in their yep, lives. Mm-hmm. But we also have to take down barriers and decriminalize all of the <laughs> the punishment driven system that we have right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's where my background comes in. Vocal, when we launched, the very first big event we had was International Overdose Awareness Day. And so we had a very big march and rally. We blocked traffic and uh, caused a little disruption downtown. And (laughs) (laughs) we spoke. Uh, We had several people speak, Jessica being one of them. And everybody will meet Jessica. This is my sister. Uh, I've known her for, um, she's going to make me cry, for for most of her life. Wow. Uh, And and she is one of the the people that has been marginalized and, and has been definitely directly affected by Uh, lots of our issues. Um, And so being able to give voice to myself, as well as my sister, and the people that I've built relationships with, especially over the past five years and the work that I've been doing, is what Louisville needs, I think, and and is the way forward in a city where I am proud to live and have been all my life. All your life. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing your story. I know it can be hard to talk about these things (laughs) because of the stigma that we're trying to destigmatize. But I think it is important that in spaces like this here on Forward Radio, we do share our honest stories as fully as possible. Jessica, I want you to share your story with us, too. You you can get into it at any level you want. But how did you come to be a lead grow team member? And and just what exactly does that mean? Mm, My story goes like this. Um... As Jennifer said, she's been in my life for a long time. Actually, she's been in my life since I was 11 years old. Oh, my goodness. And, um, oh, Lord. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she's been in my life since I was 11 years old. Um, and, Lord, she's she's been with me the whole way through my 20-year prison stay. Wow. Through my drug addiction. She's helped me birth my children. Oh, my. She's taking care of my grandkids. Wow. <sighs> She's um she's she's great. Without her her love, I don't think I would have made it. Yeah. Everybody needs somebody to love. So mm-hmm. her love and her family gave me the strength while I was in prison to do what I needed to do. Wow. Which was the right thing. So that's how I became a member of Vocal. 
Um, when I got out of prison, she well, she talked to me about it while I was in prison. You know, um, at first it started out with helping with the needle exchange over there at the uh, health, what is it? The health department. The health department. Mm -hmm. But I never made it over there because she left and came over here, so <laughs> which, was, which was really good. So, you know, um, so when I got out of prison, she introduced this to me, and I never thought I'd be a part of something bigger than me. You, I couldn't have never imagined blocking off the streets and <laughs> rallying with everybody. I, I never seen that coming. Wow. Um but I did. Wow. And it was fun. <laughs> it was interesting. And I got to hold a, a a megaphone speaker and I got to scream out and wow. they got to hear my voice. So that was just it was everything to me. Yeah. You know. So being a lead grow team member, what I do is is I go out in the community and I talk to some of the houseless people, mm. some of the people that may have HIV or hepatitis C, which affects me. You know, I had hepatitis C. I got my medicine and I was treated for that. So I go out and I talk to the people and I, and I invite them to our meetings that we have. I let them know that I care, vocal cares. If they need any kind of help or assistance, you know, yes, I do have two jobs. One of my jobs is at LRCC, and they are a big part of this, so they are connected with us. So I help all the way around the board, and I, I enjoy that. I enjoy giving back to people, mm -hmm. and that's basically what we do. We invite people to come to our meetings, make them a member so they can have their voices heard because mm -hmm. a lot of people out there are really, really are impacted by a lot of these things that we have issues with. And when you hear them speak, when they come to our meetings and you hear them speak, you, you, you hear the passion in their voices of what, you know, it's hurting them and what they want done and how much help they really need that the people in, in our system is just not giving to them. Mm. So we, as Vocal Kentucky, want them to feel that safe and secure place where we are for them, you know, and, and they do feel that. I ha I get a lot of people all the time to tell me, man, you know, Vocal's all right, man, you out here doing the right thing where some of these people be out here walking and saying this and saying that. Man, y'all y'all really doing it, and I just want you to know, man, I thank you for the help that you're giving me, uh, and that makes me feel good. Yeah, that makes has me got feel to be gratifying, good. right? Yes, so that's my role. Wow. <laughs> I am speaking with three friends from uh, just up the elevator here in the Hayburn building from Vocal KY. Uh, you just heard from Jessica Lawrence, Lead Grow Team member. Uh, we've also got Shamika Perry. Right, executive director, and Jennifer Twyman, an organizer. So tell us about the Lead Grow Team. What does that mean? Well, Lead Grow Team means basically I go out in the community and I, I try to uh, pull people to gravitate towards okay. me and our organization and what we stand for. So when I go out and I talk to people, I tell them what Vocal is about, mm -hmm. what we do, how we're doing it, how we're trying to build political power right. to change what needs to be changed when it comes to houselessness, um, the spread of HIV and hepatitis C and mass incarceration. Uh, I tell them about that. And I also tell them my story because I want people to feel comfortable when they right. talk to me. And I want people to feel like they can trust me when they talk to yeah. me. Um, and basically, Vocal is a family, mm. you know, so I, I want people to feel safe and secure when they come. And that's basically what a grow team lead does, mm. you know, 
we go out and we talk to people and we make them feel comfortable and feel safe mm-hmm. to be able to come. Mm-hmm. And they're crushing it. I mean, she's speaking lightly. It's a, It started out with three of them. One of them is actually incarcerated now. Um, and so we're looking to hire more grow team members. We want to hire up to six. Um, but we they also have that we've set goals around contacts, around recruiting people to members because of them. Our, we are going on our 10th membership meeting. They continue to grow. Those, those happen twice a month on a Thursday right here in the Hayburn. We get moved around a lot because... Yeah. you know this building um, <laughs> but it's been exciting to see those grow and that those numbers of retention and people coming back are because of the grow team wow. and their canvassing and, and from the encampments that Jennifer was talking about to places that are service providers and we're meeting people where they're at and we're asking them what matters to you here's what we do how can you help and they are amazed and we have people who are currently houseless who are currently using who are new to recovery who who have been in recovery for a while like Jennifer we have people from all walks of life who are joining us we also have community partners we also have what we call ally members who have been there and done that but they're in a different place in their life but they still want to give back and and they join our meetings and so they're happening we actually our next one is on december the 8th and then we're having a holiday party too we'll tell you about later on december the 13th so we have been doing this today is giving tuesday i heard you give a plug for for radio please support for radio i do um and we're also building up so there's a story about jennifer's story jessica's story and another one of our grow team members is pony aka Rodell Morris and he um, we have a Given Tuesday profile for each one of them that we were releasing oh, wow. and we're releasing one today as well oh, um, cool. Alfredo who is our grow team manager uh, we released his last week so Yours is this week, right? Yeah, so we're releasing Jennifer's. <laughs> so we have these profiles. Every give, every Tuesday, we're releasing them, building up for Giving Tuesday, which is November the 29th. And I also want Forward Radio to benefit yes. from Giving Tuesday. So yes. make sure you all dig deep and give what dig you can deep. this Giving System, this Giving Season. And, uh, and I should have mentioned, you can keep up with this awesome organization at vocal, V-O-C-A-L, dash, ky.org or you can find them on facebook twitter and instagram y'all are rocking the socials that's right all right (laughs) this is a great time of year to get connected and support this work um so what i'm thinking about the work you all do and i'm wondering about i don't know i hear this term what's the theory of change Mm -hmm. so how do how do we organize these marginalized folks mm-hmm. and and truly gain power? What, what's the what's the route forward that Vocal looks for? And maybe is that building on successes that has have happened in New York? Well, New York is is goals, right? Yeah. New York, you know, everything really really progresses happened in New York, yeah. and California. But Kentucky has had some successes. Those successes have come through coalition work. Now I'm going to go to my brochure all and right, tell you right. that at Vocal <laughs> Kentucky, all of our campaigns start on the ground and our campaign work is guided by leadership teams of people directly impacted by the issues. So what we've been explaining about recruitment. Um, Leadership teams meet weekly to identify problems, devise solutions, and talk strategy to advance campaigns. I will tell you though, since we've come on board, Councilman Ja'Cory Arthur, um, Savvy Shabazz, who just had his rights restored and who was working on voting rights for a lot of people who have Mm. been impacted Mm. by mass incarceration, Representative Vatica Scott, 
um, has called on us. Representative Nima Kukarni just attended our last membership meeting. We are contacting people on the state level as well as local level. And if they have good bills and legislation that they want support for, we're showing up for them. Yeah. And like when Councilman Ja'Cory Arthur called us and, and we found out about him and uh, Councilman Bill Hollander, we found out about the bad ordinance amendments um, for the camping. And we knew directly because I've been homeless. Many of us who have worked with Vocal has experienced houselessness. We know the negative impacts of when our elected leaders make bad decisions or when they change things that are working the best way they can at that moment and so we showed up and when we wanted to make sure people were had the right to vote and register to vote while in the local jails we showed up for that as well we also show up when we've been going to all the abatement town halls we've only missed one and that was in hazard because we were in puerto rico for a, a harm reduction training wow. but we've been going traveling across the state we want to take our work across state we want to <coughs> meet all the other service providers all the <coughs> advocacy groups and so we've been going to each one of those um, when there was a call to have another abatement town hall in the West End we signed on to the letter from Trita uh, Walden who is the executive director of Kentucky Harm Reduction Coalition we signed on for that for support so we're here to lift up the good work that's happening to fight against bad policies and legislation that will make life harder for all Kentuckians mm. and then also to encourage our members to be appointed to boards to be trained in civics to yeah. Yeah. Learn to hopefully run for office to because we have a C4 arm as a part of our vocal New York oh, really? that we are applying here, which is setting up vocal US to take that work nationally. I so see. we're the first right, first statewide expansion. All eyes are on us, yeah. not just locally, <laughs> but from New York. And so we want to make sure we're being inclusive and engaging and inviting. But there, the bigger vision is a better Kentucky for all of us. And we cannot have that if we don't have directly impacted people helping lead the way. Mm, I love that approach. That is so exciting. I, you you started talking about policy, and, and I just couldn't help it. Let's dive right into it. I, I want to talk about in these four areas, drug policy, incarceration, homelessness, and HIV AIDS. W what have we been getting wrong <coughs> and from the perspective of the people that y'all are trying to organize uh, what are some ways forward? So l let's talk about homelessness. Mm -hmm. I mean, we can start right here in Louisville, but even statewide, what what has been wrong with the approach to homelessness? Is that we think that we can just use shelters as a Band-Aid, mm. but shelters by themselves, they do great work. Well-intentioned people. I've been in local shelters here, St. Vincent de Paul, as well as Wayside Christian Mission. They helped me in a stepping stone, but I was in a different place when I needed housing. I literally just did not have enough money. Mm. But other people have that and compounded issues, and shelters don't deal with the root causes of that. Right. They just give a temporary shelter. And so the people need case managers. They need peer-on-peer -peer support, something that LRCCC is doing. They need a lot of other programs and services that shelters bless them cannot we provide. need them yeah but they're not enough yes and i'm on the homeless coalition board and before then i was on the continuum of care board with the homeless coalition but even while i was homeless i was fight i was going down to make sure we had an affordable housing trust fund mm -hmm. i was lobbying our council people our former mayor abramson and a lot of other folks because i knew if there was talks about taking money from that so because of those efforts with the metropolitan housing coalition louisville metro housing 
we were able to get a housing trust fund established. Mm-hmm. And now that trust fund has more money in it than it ever has before, right? But a lot of times those monies get used up by developers who are building affordable housing. And we yeah. have to be clear. They throw that affordable housing on there, but that doesn't make it affordable because our work ha- helped establish a housing trust fund. But as far as access, like right now, there's a great deal of people who need help with deposits, who need help with first month rent. Our wages right. don't match the real estate. The The cost of renting is going up. And so there are going to be more homeless people. That's why I'm saying that point. Yeah. So we got to have policies and procedures in place that's going to deal with the incoming it's going to continue to grow. They're saying we need 31,000 units right now. We're, it's just going to continue to grow because we don't have enough places to put people. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, you do need your shelters, but you also need other things that where you can rehab. Mm-hmm. You can help people shelter in place. You have people who come out of the hospital who need physical therapy or just to be able to rest and the hospital can't house them. And so they're out on the street with, with um, armbands on that shows that they just been released from the hospital yeah. and we're in danger of having another skid row right here in Louisville. Now, the good thing is that there are a lot of resources coming together. You got the street tips that the Homeless Coalition puts out. You got service providers that um, Jennifer is connected to. You got a place where you can go shower, get your mail, but it's not enough. There's not enough 24-hour services that can help meet the needs. And when the weather turns like it is now, you don't have enough Hope Villages. You have one. And Feed Louisville now has a hotel, that old hotel off Arthur Street. Is that right? Yeah, but it's still not enough. They and these places that are able to, to provide temporary support need more to be able to expand across the county. Yeah, that's where that menu of services comes in. Yeah. Tell, tell us more Go about ahead. what that Fit. menu looks like. Well, our system isn't set up right now to okay. provide people with the tools. Uh, or the ability or space to to take to take care of themselves. Yeah. Literally, I can't ask somebody to stop uh, using whatever substance they use when I can't put them inside. Yeah. It's just not a. It doesn't set anybody up for success. Right. Right. So when we have that menu to pick from with as many things as we can get on it, um, then we reach more people uh, and can can work on those barriers as we go and when um people that are directly affected by those issues are forming that mm. it's it sets people up to be successful instead of telling people what they should be doing and right. what has worked for everybody else right um we should just be saying like shamika said we should be meeting people where they are mm-hmm. how can we help to make this a better situation for mm-hmm. you um and that's that speaks to y'all's mission of of leading this change work from a perspective of compassion and care, uh, rather than the sort of prescriptive, the way most policymakers think about it, and and this is the this is the challenge with homelessness that is is true for all challenges in sustainability. There is no like silver bullet to solving this issue, right? And everybody comes to it from a different place and has different needs, and so we need a flexible, responsive approach that. Is compassionate, right? Like we really need to be a compassionate city. We talk about it, mm-hmm. right? But we, this, to me, sounds to more there. like what it really looks like, right? <laughs> yes, because yes. if we yes. don't, we're pulling further away from that. We yeah. used to be the city of possibilities, yeah. you, know? <laughs> you know, and we can be all those things. That's the good thing is that we have a lot of good people in place. We have a lot of good people taking action who are willing to donate. But we need to make sure we're steering those things and creating this menu of services that yeah. Jennifer is talking about. 
that meets people and meets the need. Because once people have a choice to make a better choice, they will make a better choice. Yeah. When you're making a choice out of survival, it's because you want to live for the day. When you're trying to thrive, that means you have more options to live yep many many years beyond the day mm -hmm. and with the, we talked about the cold weather coming on i know this is, metro council is is talking about a cold weather policy tell me more about this it's been in the news so all i only cold weather policy i know about is white flag and okay. that's when um when it's the the temperature gets below freezing mm -hmm. um it's a time or if it's extreme heat there's a time for the shelters to accept anybody that comes as much as they can and um, people were talking about this folks were talking about getting rid of that I don't see how that can wow. happen and really be humane and yeah. safe for people yeah. um, when you have somebody um, as, as Jessica was talking about we have a huge problem with hepatitis C and it's curable. Um, wow, people yeah. just need the access to it and need to have a place where they can go and receive the supportive services, the follow-up that they need. And you know and I know we have a, a problem with climate change options mm -hmm. and heat islands and transportation mm -hmm. is one of the biggest issues that stop people from mm -hmm. participating, stop people from accessing services. So there's a lot that we can do. But I don't know anything else about the cold weather policy but white flag. Do you know anything? No. Okay. Uh, well, we can move on. I mean, I'll just reintroduce you all. Uh, we got friends from Vocal KY in the studio. Uh, they are organizing people uh, in, who are generally marginalized, low-income people uh, suffering from the AIDS epidemic, the war on drugs, mass incarceration, and homelessness. Uh, and you can learn more about them at vocal-ky.org. You just heard from Shamika Parrish Wright, Executive Director. Jessica Lawrence is also in the studio with us, as well as Jennifer Twyman. So, um, um, let's move on. We have so many important issues, but let's talk about drug policy. Okay. Uh, what has been wrong with the way we've approached uh, the issues of drugs in, in Kentucky specifically and, and if you want to speak nationally too? I guess one of the things that I always want people to hear is that drugs have been around for a long time. Hmm. And for as long as humans have been here, we've mm -hmm. been trying to use them to alter our minds. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's not going to stop. We're yeah. not going to stop that from happening. So let's all accept that fact and figure out more and better ways to keep people safe while yeah. they are using whatever substances they are. Yeah. And right now, our drug supply is so tainted and poisoned with fentanyl, it is not... Um, I know that if I were still using the way that I was, I would not be here now because wow. I was buying pills off the street. And it, it, there are so many counterfeit pills in this city, uh, and it's in everything. It's right. in cocaine. It's in methamphetamine. So um, it is it, people that are supposedly overdosing are, are actually dying because there's something in the substance <laughs> that's not supposed to be there. Um, so... But again, that, that does not mean that we should punish more because of that. Right. Um, we really need to come away from the punishment here and really talk about how we can care for people. Right, right. That goes back to that compassion. Um, it, 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 because again, it, you can't make a better decision if you don't have the tools, uh, the space, or the ability to do so. Mm -hmm. um, and so 
we that's the system right now does that it, mm-hmm. it says well here's this mm. and if you can't make that work then that's on you but right. we tried right and that's not um it doesn't work that way right uh when we g- give people their voice back and give them tools to take care of themselves mm-hmm. they do yeah I, th- I think it's so important for us to rethink the way we look at drugs like anytime you just make something illegal and think that's going to solve it. Um, First of all, we know that the market becomes a a black market and then horrible things happen like you're talking about with the the fentanyl issue. But I mean, imagine if we want to address, you know, deaths on our highways, it it would be like our solution is, okay, it's illegal to drive over 55. Like that's (laughs) what we say, right? Well, guess what we see on our highways, right? Right. Like you need something other than a speed limit. That's right. Right. And and you you need safe streets, you need seatbelts, you know, and, and we haven't even solved all those issues with driving, but I'm just trying to make the analogy in people's minds of like, this is no way to approach a societal issue that's just not going away, right? That's a great analogy because they don't stop making cars. Why don't they make cars stop at 55 (laughs) miles per hour, right? right? (laughs) And you don't see that happening. And and so that's why we are supportive. We've already been on calls with with staff from Chuck Schumer's office, from Mitch McConnell's office on the MADAC, and hoping that this last push, that they would use this opportunity to pass something that benefits everyone. And Jennifer can break down how that would impact Kentucky, but we've already been hearing the limitations from service providers because the MAC Act is the MAC Act is not in place and because we don't have enough progressive policies that provide the harm reduction services and care that people need. That's why we've been showing up to those abatement town halls to make sure that that money doesn't get sucked up by the usual suspect mm. that it goes out to those people who are providing care like LRCC and Kentucky Harm Reduction Coalition who are boots on the ground providing the services that people need. We need more of that. There mm. is no way we can cover 120 counties with the limited resources and what 31 million 32 million over 18 years is not enough money so we need some more federal support we need statewide support and we need local elected leaders to make the right decisions on how that money is dispersed and broken up Mm. would you say about like access because jennifer went through her own trying to get this, the the care and the services she needs so and MAT Act would make it better. What for- she's talking about is the uh, MAT, it's medication uh, I don't even remember the exact name Medically of the MAT Act, but it's treatment. Around, yeah, but it's a it's about Suboxone, it's essentially about Suboxone prescription and that there are all kinds of barriers right. uh, for doctors and for patients. Right, right. Uh, ridiculous training that doctors have to go through wow. and only certain doctors can prescribe and oh. you can only have so many clients. And, oh my gosh. Um, so the MAT Act gets rid of all those barriers okay um so that you know general practitioners could prescribe suboxone to the patients that they've already got those relationships with right seems to make sense to me as a lay person (laughs) we have to we have to make it difficult (laughs) (laughs) it seems that that is part of the system and you want to talk hood to the holler i mean this drug issue is really statewide right it is we've seen how this tears up our rural communities as much as our urban ones. that's right right. and that's what we've seen driving across the state Mm. um that's why hood to the holler is important the issue of access to prep and hiv aids awareness um hepatitis c all of the elements um jennifer and i was just reading that um people who have had what is it hpv 
HPV can lead to a higher possibility that HIV can come into the mm. picture. And and that's the thing about around so World AIDS Day is December 1st. We're have we'll be Thank having Thank you for a, reminding me. Well, yeah, this is a, a very well-timed yeah. conversation. Yes, it is. <laughs> a press conference uh, uh, down uh, at the Hall of Justice at yeah. 10 o'clock on World AIDS Day. Uh, really calling for for some change or in number one in Kentucky's HIV. There's some uh, really old, archaic laws in Kentucky mm-hmm. around HIV criminalization. Uh, we need to provide housing for people that are HIV positive, period. Should be no nothing after so that. So when they're clearing the homeless encampments, just recently I came in to work and Jennifer said they had just cleared a homeless encampment and it had been nine days. And so a lot of the people that were able to have the temporary shelter were released back out in the community. Oh. And then was it one of them was mm-hmm. HIV positive. Yeah. So when that happens, it is it is makes them vulnerable. It makes the community surrounding them vulnerable. So we need to do what we can to make sure there's supportive services ongoing for people who are immune compromised yeah. or who are positive. Who because they don't they don't want to be out there. And then sharing needles is a huge deal that's still happening now. Yeah, I, let's talk about HIV because I, I think for a lot of people they figure like, well, the science has advanced so much on that, and you know, I remember act up in the eighties and like mm-hmm. used to. Be be that this was a really marginalized issue it's not anymore mm-hmm. but you're telling me it's still complicated we still haven't solved this tell us a little bit more about what what policy around hiv aids should look like what are we doing wrong still you want to start that sure um the medical advancements for treatment have for been hiv life changing right yeah for sure life saving absolutely <laughs> yes and U equals U is is the thing. You you get people that are undetectable, then they are not transmittable. So mm. that's awesome. But the the stigma and judgment that's that comes with um, that diagnosis is still very prevalent. Okay. Access to services is not what it should be. Right. Access to right. prevention, so prep and pep um, and testing. Uh, uh, all mm-hmm. of those things should be j- just hands down anywhere mm-hmm. anybody turns should be able to get all of those things done and then connected. To to the immediate treatment for those things. Yeah. Uh, and we just don't, that goes back to that menu of services. <laughs> um, right. And that we we really need to be making all of those things more accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, housing, the, the archaic criminal laws, like there's still, you can be charged with a felony, mm-hmm. uh, sex work and HIV, even if there wasn't an actual sex act uh, done that they people can still be charged with felonies for, for the possibility, yeah. which is ridiculous. <laughs> Bizarre. The right. criminalization piece has to go it, away. And like Jennifer talked about, the archaic law, laws around organ donors, and, and they've yeah. discovered so much. I mean, the technology and the science has shown us there's a better way to go about this. And I just wanted some quick facts. Like 1.2 million people in the U.S. are living with HIV. Wow. Around 13% of them are unaware. Um, so communities in the South, and you know we're the gateway to the South, yeah. are experiencing the highest rate of new infections. Huh. So syringe sharing is the second leading cause of new HIV infections in the U.S. and one in 10 new HIV diagnosis attributed to injection drug use. Right. So the things that we're talking about um, on the same end of harm, res- harm reduction services and care, it impacts people who are dealing with HIV or who are vulnerable to HIV and AIDS. And so it is important that we, our leadership is listening to that. Kentucky does, did have a, was a 
part of a, um, a mandate to end HIV and AIDS in the state. So we have some people who've been working across the state to get this done. Mm. The work has just been siloed. And now that we see and drug use has shown us that people are connected in so many more ways. So mm. we have to have approaches that reach across the, the aisle. Mm. And so what she's talking about with um, case management, um, peer support, housing, mm -hmm. um, making sure that people have ongoing services and care. Mm -hmm. It improves the health around the surrounding communities. Mm -hmm. And so somebody that is positive or have identified, and we've met people out on the street that have told us and told our growth team that they're positive. You know, we have members who tell us and who are saying, I just want the, su the support and the services. Those folks should not be homeless yeah. because it just exasperates the issue. Mm. And so we're ready to do what we can to lift those voices up. That's why we're having the press conference on World AIDS Day, 10 a.m. at the Hall of Justice, 6 in Jefferson. We want a real commitment from elected leaders that are still serving out their terms and the newly elected officials to make a real commitment to ending this epidemic and doing everything we can to make sure there's access to take home tests, there's access to people being able to go to get supportive services and care. Awesome. Everybody come on out December 1st at 10 a.m. at the Hall of Justice. Oh, we only have a couple minutes left. Let's talk about mass incarceration. I mean, my goodness, how do we do that in a bite-sized way? But um, this is a huge issue in Kentucky, yes. right? You Maybe you want to just give us some context to, before we wrap up here about, about mass incarceration, what it looks like in Louisville and in Kentucky. We have the highest growing rates of people being incarcerated. And guess who are the number one? Women. Yes. And we know that women who are dealing with abusive relationships, mm. who are who are impacted by substance use issues are likely to mm. deal with that. We have we have our children are or have one and two parents who have been impacted or incarcerated. We have the highest rates of children with incarcerated parents. We have um that we're a high conviction state. Um, I, that's why I loved my work with the bail project because bail reform is a part of this. Right. The longer someone sits in jail pre-trial, the longer, the more likely it is that they're going on to prison. And before I left the bail project, 94% of the people that we bailed out did not go on to prison. Wow. So we know a lot of people sit there and they take plea deals and they plea out to things and they don't get the best outcome simply because they want to get out of jail or at least know when they're getting out of jail. Mm -hmm. So Kentucky has an incarceration problem so much so that Vera Institute of Justice had released an report, a report about a year or two ago that said that at the rate we're incarcerating people all of us will be incarcerated within a hundred years mm. and when people hear that they're like well I won't be alive in a hundred years <laughs> but your family will your loved one like that's a problem if people are going to jail and so mm -hmm. in any given room Two of us that I know have been incarcerated. Yeah. I don't know if you two have been, but it shows that those numbers are going to grow where it's going to be three and four people. And so we need to make sure that we're doing everything we can. So pushing back against bad um, um, policies and things that hold people back once they have been um, impacted by mass incarceration, reducing the amount of people who are even arrested. So the over-policing of poor right. black and brown right. communities and poor white communities, the over-policing – 
leads to more people being incarcerated. Also pushing back on the prosecutors and let and the judges, those who have so much discretion to make a real difference, make sure that they're doing what's best for the whole community. You can be for public safety and not say, oh, the only solution is lock them up and throw away the key. That hasn't worked. We need restorative justice practices. I've been in meetings with Clout and several other groups who have been working on those issues. So more restorative practices, less, um, you know, more adaptive services. So if I need trauma or substance use, uh, if I have those issues, then my care coordination of care should match that. Mm -hmm. Going to prison won't make me better. Mm -hmm. And locking them up and throwing away the key has not made us better as a state. I want to give the last word to Jessica, having experienced incarceration for 20 years. They call it corrections. Yeah. Do you feel like you got corrected <laughs> oh, wow, at all? Did, did, did it correct anything in your life? <laughs> you good. <laughs> yeah. You good. Nice wordplay. <laughs> um, corrections. <laughs> I'm not going to say, um, no, what I'm going to say is, is that I made the choice to change my life in prison. There you go. I didn't have what I needed in prison mm. to give me the skills to return out to the free world. Right. Yeah, I, I still don't know nothing about computers. Mm -hmm. I'm still trying to learn how to work my phone. So when we speak on corrections, mm. and this is for anybody in prison, no. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're not, um, they say it's rehabilitating, <laughs> but... Where is the rehabilitating if you're not giving the people the skills right. that they need to come back out into society to be better? So, yeah, my answer to you for that is no. Yeah. No, I, I, I was not corrected. Yep. But I corrected myself. Mm. Well, I, th I can't think of a better note to end on. Uh, I love the work y'all are doing. I honor it so much, and I'm so glad y'all took the time to join me here on Forward Radio to talk about Vocal KY. Again, you can connect with them at vocal-ky.org or find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And come on out December 1st at 10 a.m. at the Hall of Justice for World AIDS Day. Let's get this on the radar, y'all. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thank, Thank you. you for having Yay. us. Thank All you. right. <laughs> Great work. Yeah, stay tuned, everybody. Coming up in just a second, Community Action Calendar is coming up. There's a whole bunch of ways to get engaged in sustainability this week, so stay tuned, my friends. Now I was a child, I walked these hills. Drank from the streams and heard the whippoorwills And I ran through the fields just as fast as I could Through rocks in the creek, from the deep green woods Climbed up on the mountain, there as fresh as could be Then my Kentucky soul fly free, fly free Fly free down from the Ohio to the big sandy and up in the mountain hollow down to the big city. Gonna let my Kentucky soul fly free. Now that I'm a man, I live in the big city. It's a crazy life, don't bother me. Deep down inside, I'm still a country boy 
know I gotta get back to where I was born Down by the rivers where I long to be To let my Kentucky soul fly free Fly free, fly free Down from the Ohio to the big sandy and we are back here on Forward Radio with me, Justin Mogg, on Sustainability Now. And yes, it is that time to get your calendars out and your pencils sharpened to get ready for sustainable action this week. First of all, hey, this Tuesday is Giving Tuesday, you all. And I know you're probably being hit up by a whole lot of nonprofits, but this right here is a really special grassroots listener supported organization that just a few dollars this holiday season can make such a difference in our ability to keep this service coming to you we know you love it because you're tuned in and listening right now so please support us at forwardradio.org you can chip in just a few bucks you can chip in $20 and support the entire day's broadcast 24 hours of great programming local and national everything you love about Ford Radio the service we provide, the opportunity to give a megaphone to the people of Louisville. Hey, support it today, whether it's Giving Tuesday or not, at forwardradio.org. But let's take a look at what else is happening this Tuesday, November 29th. Trees Louisville is in need of volunteers to help with a tree planting. On Tuesday from 10 a.m. to noon, it's the Olives Street planting. They'll be moving around the Parkland neighborhood in beautiful Western Louisville near the Olive Street area to plant some trees in people's yards. And if you want to help uh, green up the canopy out there in the Parkland neighborhood and truly make it a Parkland, we need your help. And if you can help, email Morgan, M-O-R-G-A-N, at treeslouisville.org to learn more about the Olive Street planting at 10 a.m. to noon on Tuesday. Also coming up on Tuesday the 29th, it's the next in the Project Warm Energy Saving Workshops taking place on Tuesday in the evening at 6.30 p.m., these one-hour workshops are designed to help you lower your utility bills by reducing your energy usage without sacrificing comfort. They focus on energy conservation with a particular focus on getting the maximum amount of warmth and comfort in the summer with the minimum amount of electricity, thus reducing your electric and gas bills. They also touch on reducing water use. Uh, it's so you can save on your water bill as well. Hands-on training is provided, and it includes learning how to cover your windows with clear plastic, uh, a major energy saver for virtually any home. Each participant will receive free supplies to take action in their home right away. Participants will leave with a bag full of supplies to cover your windows with that clear plastic and to perform other easy energy saving actions at home. You can learn more and register at projectwarm.org. And there are two more dates coming up in this series. On December 7th, they'll be at Shively Area Ministries and on December 13th at U Ujima Neighborhood Place. But this Tuesday, November 29th at 6.30 p.m., they'll be out at the Fern Creek Highview United Ministries there at 900 Beulah Church Road. 
Now, coming up a little later in the week on Thursday, it's December already, December 1st. You can help us plant trees in the Algonquin neighborhood with Louisville Grows and their friends at Heaven Hill and Brown Foreman. It's taking place on Thursday from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. They'll be meeting up at the neighborhood place Ujima at 3610 Bone Avenue, B-O-H-N-E. Louisville Grows, in partnership with Heaven Hill and Brown Foreman, welcomes you to join them in planting trees in the Algonquin and Hallmark neighborhoods. This tree planting event will combine your volunteer power with that of employees from Heaven Hill and Brown Foreman to restore the urban tree canopy where it is needed most. No experience is necessary. Trained citizen foresters will be there to lead you in becoming a proper tree planter. Registration will take place from 8.30 to 8.50, and planting groups will depart at 9 a.m. This planting comes with a free lunch and a t-shirt. Tools and gloves will be provided as usual, but please bring a filled water bottle. Water will also be available to refill your bottle on site. Dress appropriately for the weather. You'll be digging in the dirt and handling mulch, so wear clothes that you don't mind getting dirty on Thursday. Closed-toed shoes are required, and long-sleeve shirts are recommended. Of course, waterproof outerwear is also recommended if rain is forecast because we are going to be planting trees come rain or shine. But if there is severe weather, you'll be notified of an alternate event date. You can learn more and sign up at tinyurl.com slash HHBF corporate 22. And that's for Heaven Hill Brown Foreman. tinyurl.com slash HHBF corporate and the number 22. Now, coming up on Thursday, December 1st, as you just heard, it's also World AIDS Day, and our friends at Vocal Kentucky are going to be having a rally and a press conference at the Hall of Justice there at 600 West Jefferson Street. They would love to have you come out and rally in support of AIDS victims and AIDS justice. So come on out on Thursday, 10 a.m. at the Hall of Justice. You can learn more, of course, at vocal-ky.org. Also on Thursday, there's a lot going on this December 1st. You can join UofL's Center for Integrative Environmental Health Sciences and the Department of Pharmacology and Toxicology from 11 a.m. to noon in room 124 of UofL's Clinical and Translational Research Building at the corner of Hancock and Ali for the next Environmental Health Sciences Seminar with speaker Phoebe Stapleton. She's assistant professor at Rutgers University and the school of pharmacy. Stapleton will be presenting Exposure to Micro and Nanoplastic Particles, Considerations in a Maternal Fetal Environment. Dr. Stapleton is currently a tenure-track assistant professor in the Pharmacology and Toxicology Department of the School of Pharmacy and a resident member of the Environmental and Occupational Health Sciences Institute at Rutgers University. She completed both her graduate and postdoctoral training at West Virginia University, focusing on microvascular physiology and inhalation toxicology. Her laboratory focuses on the cardiovascular implications of maternal exposure to nanomaterials during pregnancy, identifying the maternal, fetal, and offspring outcomes associated with these exposures. In 2020, 
2021, she was awarded an Outstanding New Environmental Scientist grant from the National Institute of Environmental Health and Science. Most of her work has focused on inhalation of titanium dioxide nanoparticles. But recently, her lab has begun to investigate the toxicological outcomes associated with those nasty micro and nanoplastics that have become ubiquitous. <laughs> so for more information about this event coming up on Thursday, December 1st at 11 a.m., you can visit events.louisville.edu. And if you can't make it out in person to UofL's Clinical and Translational Research Building, Room 124, well, you can register for attending online. It's a hybrid event. So check it out at events.louisville.edu. Also on Thursday, December 1st in the evening at 530 Bernheim Arboretum and Research Forest is hosting Partners and Pints with the Forecastle Foundation. They'll be getting together at the West 6th Tap Room in Nulu at 817 East Market Street. Bernheim invites everyone out to join them at West 6th Tap Room for beers and conversation with the Forecastle Foundation, of which Bernheim is a partner. The Forecastle Foundation is dedicated to protecting and connecting the world's natural awesome. We'll be talking all things conservation and land protection. It's free, there's no registration, but more information is available at bernheim.org. Now, coming up on Saturday the 3rd, I'm really excited for the next Phoenix Hill neighborhood tree planting. This time, we'll be meeting up from 1 to 4 p.m. at Liberty and Clay Streets in Phoenix Hill, beautiful downtown Louisville. Louisville Metro Parks invites you to join us for a fun afternoon of tree planting. We'll be planting about 50 trees to make Louisville streets a little greener. Tools and guidance will be provided by the Urban Forestry Team. Groups and families with school-aged children are welcome. In the event of rain, the project will take place on Sunday from 1230 to 3. All signed up volunteers will be notified of any changes in advance, so sign up today using the My Impact app, and you can find the link for that at bestparksever.com, or just come out at 1 p.m. on Saturday the 3rd at Liberty and Clay Streets to get ready to plant some trees with us. Bunch of things happening this weekend out at Bernheim in Claremont, Kentucky. There's a volunteer orientation on Saturday the 3rd at 10 a.m. that lasts an hour and a half. Volunteers give a few hours or several hundred hours a year providing support to Bernheim and its visitors. You can have fun in the great outdoors by participating in a variety of activities. Take the first step in becoming a Bernheim volunteer by attending this general orientation. To learn more and fill out your volunteer application, go to Bernheim.org. RG. Also Saturday the 3rd, they're having a holiday open house from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. at their Lead Platinum Visitor Center, which is Excel itself is quite an experience. You can enjoy a festive day of shopping for your friends and family at Bernheim's Visitor Center. Browse their selection of gifts, locally made crafts, Kentucky proud goods, and other unique gifts for the nature lover in your life. Get in the holiday spirit with hot mold cider and refreshments, hourly door prize drawings, holiday specials, and a 20% discount for all Bernheim members in the gift shop, 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. on Saturday out at Bernheim's Visitor Center. And finally, on Sunday the 4th, they're doing their first Sunday nature hike from 2 to 3.30. You can join a volunteer naturalist for an engaging nature hike on the first and third Sunday of each month. 
These hikes are longer than their Eco Kids hike of the day and are aimed primarily at adults. But children six years and up are also welcome. No pets, however, are allowed. You can register in advance at bernheim.org. And lastly, I want to let you know that coming up on Monday, December 5th, the Louisville Community Grocery is having a cleanup at their lot there at Jackson and Finzer at 11 a.m. to 1230. They'll be cleaning up the future site of the Louisville Community Grocery, and they're requesting volunteers to assist them in doing so. You can learn more and find the link to sign up at LouisvilleCommunityGrocery.com. Gloves and trash bags will be provided, so they hope to see you there at 400 Finzer Street on Monday the 5th at 11 a.m. And that's all we have time for here today on Sustainability Now. I want to thank you so much for tuning in, and I look forward to being back in your ears again in one week's time, my friends. Be well. Be well.